0: Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dharma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dharma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So tonight we begin a 26th class review of the Dhammapada, um, subtitled by me, the concise Dhamma instruction, because that's what it is. If you understand the the context of what the Buddha taught, in which the Buddha taught, meaning dependent origination, and we practice develop an understanding of four noble or timeless truths, um, it has some relevance, and I think rather um, significant relevance. Oftentimes, the Dhammapada is uh, presented as one long poem uh, sectioned out, usually two 26 sections or 26 chapters. Uh, I don't see it particularly useful that way or even readable. Um, Plus, with a lot of the stuff that modern Buddhism insists be included in there, um, most of the the translations aren't really useful or even readable. this one, this great restoration by John Haspel, um, once I get it published, I hope it's soon, I, because I think it's really important. This is this is something that can be read by anybody who understands the context and get a lot out of it. Uh, some of the, the scholars think that uh, the Dhammapada was written to give, to give to novice monks kind of as a primer and something to keep their head in the game. <laughs> And, of course, that might be true, but that <laughs> couldn't have happened until after the Buddha's death because there was nothing written. Um, but I think that these I think that the Dhammapada was used during the Buddha's time. Um, and it was used by not not by the Buddha, but by other monks in a contemporaneous way. They saw something coming up and they could refer to just this, this these simple and concise teachings to teach their novice monks. So. um and just to play a little game with you because i know you like when i play games with you um, the title of this chapter is called the yamaka vaga the subtitle is pairs and the, the test at the end of this is why is it why is it subtitled pairs so the yamaka vaga and remember this is the beginning the first chapter of the dhammapada and each chapter on the dhammapada feeds into the next and the next chapter um, is founded on this, and so you'll see um, how, how beautifully and gently the Dhamma is, is presented throughout these 26 chapters. The quality of mind precedes all mental states. Interesting that we start out with that. The quality of mind precedes all mental states. So there's a quality of mind, and then there's a mental state that is fed by that quality of mind. And what is the quality of mind that we develop in the Dhamma? The four foundations of mindfulness and then that fourth foundation of equanimity or calm. One more time and then I'll stop. The quality of mind precedes all mental states. Mind is the governing principle. What we hold in mind is it will determine the quality of our life and the experiences of our life. Mind is a governing principle. Mind defines all phenomena, including this phenomena. Born, feeling, perceptions, mental fabrication, consciousness. Mind defines all phenomena. If a person speaks or acts with an impure mind, suffering will follow like a wheel following an oxen's hoof. The quality of mind precedes all mental states. Mind is a governing principle. Mind defines all phenomena. If a person acts, speaks or acts with a pure mind, happiness will follow like a constant shadow. I love these little connections here. Harboring thoughts of being abused, robbed, injured, or overpowered does not still hatred. And we've grown into a a victim culture, haven't we? Ever more and more, it seems, the longer we go, victimhood becomes what's the most important. Harboring thoughts of being abused, robbed, injured, or overpowered does not still hatred. Those who harbor such thoughts will simply remain agitated. Abandoning thoughts of being abused, robbed, injured, or overpowered always stills hatred. So we're still dealing with hatred in the world 2,600 years after the Buddha taught this. And why is it? Because we love to play victims. And we hate to abandon thoughts of being abused by you because I think I have control over you. if I can hate you. Never stills hatred. Hatred always continues hatred. Non-hatred alone ends hatred this law is timeless. Many ignore the fleeting nature of life. The wise who understand impermanence do not quarrel with others. What a waste of time. Just as a strong wind will fall a weak tree, ignorance will consume those living for sensual pleasures, lacking restraint, gorging on food, and being lazy. Just as a strong wind does not affect a rocky mountain, ignorance will never cling to those who are mindful of the defilements, wise in restraint, moderate with food, with conviction for the Dhamma, and tireless in their efforts. Those ignorant, depraved, lacking restraint, dishonest, though wearing a disciple's robe, are not worthy of respect. This is something that was common in the Buddhist time. Um, I guess the word we have today, it's a little bit ancient, but a, a charlatan. Those who have abandoned ignorance and depravity, depravity in control of their senses, senses, established in virtue. Right speech, right action, right livelihood, established in virtue, they alone are worthy of respect. They are wise Dharma practitioners. Those that crave for and cling to what is worthless and ignore what is priceless, mindful only of what is rooted in ignorance will never realize the Dhamma. Those that know the heartwood to be heartwood and sapwood to be sapwood, established in refined mindfulness, they will realize the Dhamma. Heartwood is always referring to the Eightfold Path. You could say that sapwood is everything that is outside of the Eightfold Path. Just as rain will rot a poorly roofed home, passion will rot a poorly developed mind. Just as rain will not rot a properly roofed house, Passion will never destroy a properly developed mind. The ignorant, hurtful in thoughts, words, and deeds suffers endlessly. Afflicted with regret, always mindful of misdeeds. Excuse me. Let me read that again, please. The ignorant, hurtful in thoughts, words, and deeds suffers endlessly. Afflicted with regret always mindful of misdeeds. It just consumes us, doesn't it? The wise, and that's what I refer to when I'm talking about self-loathing as well. That's a good example of it, but there's many throughout here. The wise, pure in thought, word, and deed, rejoice endlessly. Why do they rejoice endlessly? Because they're pure in thought, word, and deed. Why does that lead to constant rejoicing? Because that human being is liberated. Liberated from what? Liberated from their own ignorance. They rejoice endlessly. They are at peace, always mindful of the benefits of wise restraint. The ignorant, hurtful in thoughts, words, and deeds suffers endlessly. Mindful of misdeeds, constantly tormented. The wise, pure in thought, word, and deed are always delighted. Mindful of their purity, they are constantly delighted. Mindful of their purity, they know that their minds are pure, harboring no ill will towards themselves or others. The Buddha continues, or the Dhamma continues, much though they read sacred texts, but acting poorly, overcome by greed, they do not gain the benefits of the heartwood. Little though they read sacred texts, but putting the Dhamma into practice, abandoning greed, aversion, and deluded thinking, with true wisdom, their mind free from ignorance, clinging to nothing in this world or any other, this one has gained the benefits of the well integrated life. So, who wants to take a stab at that first? Why is this subtitle tears? Uh, oh, think, ignorance so awesome.
1: versus ignorance versus wisdom.
0: That's pretty damn close, but I'm not giving you a star on it. Each one of the, I, I, I not, not to go on, this is just an example. The wise, pure and thought, word, and deed rejoice endlessly. They are at peace, always mindful of the benefits of restraint. There is a pairing to that, isn't there? The wise, the pure and thought, word, and deed are always mindful of the benefits of restraint. Just another example. The ignorant, hurtful in thoughts, words, and deeds suffers endlessly, afflicted with regret, always mindful of misdeeds. Cause and effect, isn't it? There's a, there's a pairing, there's a connection, there's a clinging to a wise way of shrinking, shrinking, a, a thinking rooted in, rooted in wise restraint and a mind that's not. There's a pairing there that goes on. So what are we going to pair? Another, way, another word might be association. What are we going to associate with? A skillful Dhamma? or what might be the, um, uh, the robe of skillful dhamma but no real dhamma practice you know
2: so it's cause and effect
0: cause and effect that's all yeah that's what pairs we re, 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 relate to so and there each one of these little paragraphs to me is a, is a complete dhamma teaching when you have the right context so um we're going to continue with the apama Divaga on saturday so um i'd like to hear what you think about this first class and Deborah is being called on first because she was first in class. So there you go. Hi, hi Deborah.
1: Let's see. How does that line go? Um, laying down the burden.
2: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. The burden
1: is down. Thank you for the teaching. Um, I... I don't know if what I'm gonna say is in direct response to tonight's teaching or if it's more of a realization um, with these concepts and what I generally practice. Great. I find that when I turned my corner and quit taking things personally, at work, that my work is, the burdens are gone. Yep. And by practicing my um, right views, understanding intention and resolve, I find that things are just flowing smoother, not just for me, but for um, my students as well
0: yeah and isn't that remarkable
1: actually <laughs> yes <laughs> um i i have lived my life i believe uh with many of these uh, thoughts and actions without knowing where they came from so to speak
0: mhm I, I i would agree with that
1: but i um Jeff and I have been uh, doing suttas at night and um, meditating twice a day, uh, albeit he longer than I, in the time lapse of the meditation, yep. but um, I feel very much at peace in my life.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Deborah. So I, I think you're right that you, you naturally thought this way. But now you have the foundation for why, you know, Correct. why that, why it's, I don't use the word healthy, but it's real, Well, I guess it could be in the terms of mental health, it's healthy, but more like it's it's more of a wholesome, truly human way to live when you have the foundation for why I should be a good person.
1: I have a point of reference now.
0: Yeah. And, I, and I, I think that's true for many people. You know, I, I know for me when I was a kid and I was acting out, I still couldn't figure out why can't I be the person I want to be? You know, I, I always wanted to be different, but my behavior was so out of control that I wasn't. But And it wasn't until I, I mean, my behavior was much better before I came to the Dhamma. But then I understood why I had these inclinations, at least, towards, you know, just being a decent person, even when I wasn't. And I think most human beings, when I say that psychopathy is very rare in the world, that's what I'm referring to. And most people, I think, have this innate humanness towards wanting to be not good, but just be conflict free and not knowing how to do it. And this is how to do it. It works. So. Thank you for that, share. It was very important, Deborah. What about that guy next to you? Hello, Mr. Kemp.
2: Well, I don't know what to say after that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: All right, next. <laughs> the, uh,
2: the, uh, yeah, I saw this, the, the, the pairing as both a teaching and a learning method of compare and contrast. Yeah. You know, so you've got, I, I forgot what the term is for a, a memory aid, but I, that's one way of grasping what are essential seem like very basic, but very essential concepts. That, that yeah.
0: yeah, That's right. Thank you, my friend. Uh, let me go to Julia next. Julia, I'm glad you joined us tonight.
3: Hello, I don't have much to say, but I'm happy I came on tonight. And thank you, John.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. Talk to you soon.
3: Okay. Hello, Jane. Hi, John, hey. thank you, you for are. the teaching, <laughs> here I am. Um, I really appreciated Deborah's share. Uh, that was very, very good. Um, for me, it's just all about refined mindfulness. I mean, you know, what you hold in mind is how it, that's just the most important thing. So
0: yeah.
3: I'm grateful for
1: that.
0: Yeah, me too, the mind precedes all mental states. Thanks, Jane. Good evening,
3: Mary. Good evening, everybody. Um, You know, it goes back a little bit to the retreat that has really stayed with me. The significance of concentration in order to uh, distinguish wisdom from ignorance or to use wisdom rather than ignorance in your thought process. obviously, based on what you're holding in mind, based on your studies, based on your time on the cushion, uh, all to enable you to understand this sort of yin and yang of ignorance and wisdom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it it is, it really is just that way in the moment. My mind can be this way or that way, you know, depending on what I'm holding in mind.
3: Well, and a long time ago when I was in class, I was like, it's kind of like an elevator. You can go left and your life unfolds one way or you can go right and unfolds another way. So it's that informed left or right that will guide you, you know, toward wisdom.
0: Yeah, yeah and that's that's the potential in each and every moment. Every moment, right. Go towards awakening or go or continue ignorance. I think we're doing pretty good about going towards wisdom. Thanks, Mary. Brian.
4: Thank you, John. I I love the Dhammapada. I think we should do this every year. Um, I think we will. The way these concepts are just woven together so poetically just speaks to a different part of my being. And it, it just resonates and hits
0: differently than reading suttas going through the defilements, right? And it's it, there's almost a pairing between the suttas and the dhammapada that you're getting again the same you're getting the same message but in a different manner that just resonates differently that that's just it's just quite beautiful so I'm glad we're doing this thank you yeah thank you yeah, to me it is there they are they're all the same teachings these seem to be presented in a much lighter way but I've had people even in reference to this that only heard the negative and heard this, this mm-hmm. first chapter as being too harsh. And mm-hmm. they never came back. Um, but again, it's funny what your mind picks up, you know, yeah. what you're associated with. It's just the moment. I, I see it as light and beautiful and, mm-hmm. and just wonderful. Right, Dhamma teacher, Ron?
2: Yeah, I often see the on a part as uh, something that novice monks would memorize yeah. and when they go out into the community and, and beg for their food they would have to give a small teaching and this is perfect for yes. a small teaching yeah. you know, whatever the situation was they have this whole backpack full of of quotes because i i think they are all quotes out of uh, larger sutras
0: they may be but when you look at the some of the translations that are written as one long poem oh yeah then it's then it's not but.
2: yeah no I, I couldn't I couldn't see that but the way that that you've translated it uh, you can't at time even find the the, the recipient of where, where it came from but still yeah. it, it gives you the kernel of, of that particular circuit oh you yeah you know there. The, the beaker would come up to a certain situation, and he would have a at least a quote to uh, to put there.
0: Yeah, I think I never thought of that, but I think you yeah. might be right. That might really be the genesis of yeah. the dhammapada more than somebody tacking together a poem. It's just remembering, yeah. yeah, this is how we went out and talked because it was easy and, to and, Yeah, to. and
2: in that time, it was no issue to to memorize something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah that's well, it, that's it all. It's all they had to do, but they right. also had to a dhamma practice that gave him concentration you know, so you know, they all probably had pretty good memories so.
2: and it, it's, it's actually nice to even to constantly go to to this because even in your own life you you constantly come up to situations and you think ah there's a there's a good little piece of the dhamma yeah. I put right in here
0: yeah I, I i reference back to it all the time you know more, more so the later chapters really.
2: I'm around people a lot, for instance, that, that harbor a lot of ill will because of stuff that happened in the past. Okay. And this quote here of, of you know, uh, hatred you know, uh, doesn't go away if you stay in that state of mind. Hatred never
0: ends hatred. Yeah. But it's funny how we get, as ignorant human beings, we think that in order to resolve the hatred that mm-hmm. might have been sent my way, I have to hate you. That's the only way to stop it. And, right. you know, even some
2: um, therapies are, are based
0: on. Oh yeah, that, I, yeah.
2: Which yeah. I find scary.
0: Yeah, fine blame, but I, we're we become very good at, at being victims, which is this addresses too. If you ever consider yourself a victim, you've lost your mind, no matter what. And it, again, that's not. If you have, that's okay, but it's mm. not. It's not what a Dharma practitioner strives for, right? instantly forget. Thank you. i teacher, Kevin. Thanks, you. John. Uh, it's nice to be back with the Dhammapada again. Yeah. I thought the metaphor about the two
2: homes was particularly stark. Yeah. You know, one's built with heartwood, with proper concentration practice, and thus not susceptible to passions, and eye-making, etc. Yeah. One, one house uh, is, is strong, you know. One isn't. Yeah. And, uh, the hardwood versus sapwood and i thought it was had a lot of nice metaphors in there yeah really nice contributions by everyone
0: thank you thank you yeah that the, the uh that relationship with the, the the good roof and the poor roof is there's a suit that directly the kuta suit that mm. is a suit on a well a well-roofed house and one that isn't so let's hope all your houses are roofed well how's your house how's Safe your roof future. david
4: yeah Safe. <laughs> I thought of like married, the retreat, and thought of the word choice came up in my mind. And it's a, a skillful choice that we, we make. And, you know, our choice is to pursue this and, yeah. you know, in a skillful way. Like Deborah was saying, she felt these things, but there was no resolution to how to understand it and how to maintain it. And this practice allows that. Mm-hmm. So this pursuit, this you know, development, you know, that was sick, come and see for yourself that it, yeah. it, it's it's on us. So these choices of skillful, unskillful. Only be sustained by this practice that we're developing.
0: Yeah, with so that, within that framework.
4: With
0: that framework. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. The, the four foundations of mindfulness give us the foundation. That's what. You know, that's why the words were chosen carefully for that, so that we can make uh, hold in mind and integrate the eightfold path. So in this moment, I can look. Deborah, you just you described contributing to. Common peace so beautifully, that's what we're practicing
4: for. We're we're sensitive, yeah. And as we're sensitive, we're not reactive, we're sensitive to this good thing or bad thing, and we're not spinning into this place where we're we're not helpful for in Deborah's case, her students, yeah, or her relationship in our houses. So to me, it's just very practical to get control of your
0: mind, yeah, it is. And in that way, we're contributing to, we're really having contribution to a little bit of common peace in this world. And I think this is such a, you know, again, we're not doing this to be saviors or even to do that, to have that effect, but we certainly do have that effect. You know, But it's the most important thing is that it leaves our mind calm and well concentrated in this moment. So, thank you all, a wonderful classes. Anybody have anything else they'd like to say or add? Oh yeah. In the camera. Thank you, David back on me. Uh, does anybody have anything they would like to add? Any questions? All right, we'll continue on Saturday with the Apamadavaga. Um, and we'll finish with Metta, as we always do. I should say almost always, I think once or twice, we forgot it. But... So take a moment to become mindful of your in breath and your out breath. And let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on Metta from the Karani of Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. Unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. Peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another, or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart, should one cherish all of the beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one, having clarity of vision, being free from all sense desires is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class tonight.
4: Peace. Thank you, John. Thank you, John.
3: All. Good night, everybody. You. Good night. Good night. (laughs)
0: Bye now. See you all soon.
3: Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye, Mary. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.